Hello, this is Timmy Black. Welcome again to another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. You know, when I was a student in art school, and uh, if you've been to art school, you'll probably remember this. When I was in art school, one of the worst, maybe the absolute worst, yeah, I think it was the worst thing you could hear at a critique was that the stuff you were doing was derivative. Boy, that hurt. Of course it was derivative. You're 19 years old for crying out loud, but you didn't want to hear that, not from a professor, and especially not from one of your classmates. Because even though you knew in your heart of hearts that your ideas were as stale as a trisket, that your ideas were the sum of countless acts of deliberate or inadvertent petty conceptual thievery, you had to at least pretend to be an original. Because after all, you're an artist. Now, these critiques were cruel and they almost always left a few people in tears. But it's all good practice, even if the whole thing is a little bit comical. I mean, all that seriousness that surrounds it. I don't know, uh, paintings made from, I don't know, blood and spit and, and, and sculptures out of, I don't know, matchsticks doused in gasoline and performance art that included, I don't know, like uh, clumsy knife throwing and loud voices of barking dogs and, and images of uh, sleeping nuns on videotape. I don't, I don't, we're not, whatever. Anyway, our teachers used to rip us to shreds to say nothing, of course, of our classmates who used the opportunity to settle their silly interpersonal scores, those social vendettas, all under the cover of <clears throat> uh, dialectic. But like I said, it's good practice because when you're a real artist, one who spends hours and hours and hours and hours and hours alone in a studio, you really have to replace all those severe critical voices with your own severe, critical, unforgiving, onerous, and savage voice. Anyway, I was reminded of this the other day when I was at one of those Los Angeles newsstands, one of the last surviving LA newsstands, you know, those huge ones with the magazines lined neatly in long horizontal racks, specialty magazines published in all those romance languages with the glossy photographs and small print. And I was leafing through some of these obscure art journals and I came across one that's published in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I forgot the name, but I, 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 I was leafing through it and I found this essay written by somebody named Andy Shigri or, or Chagray, or, or I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, aside from the title, which seemed, I don't know, well, it was called, let me see, I have it in front of me, let's see. Yeah, the title is, it's called Growing the Pathways of Aesthetic Innovation. All right. I know, I know, I know. It, it, it sounds like it's straight out of a newsletter from Snapchat, but bear with me. The piece was really very unusual and at moments moving, even, even inspiring and, and, and at times even funny. So Chagray or, 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 or Chigri begins with an image of a painter 
painter. And he creates this, this vivid image of, of an artist devoting a hundred sessions to a still life and 150 sessions to a portrait. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know where he's getting these figures from, but anyway, he goes on to make the distinction between the completion of a picture and the grand effort one takes to even attempt a picture. And he places this drama at what he called the approach to painting. You see, it's compelling, very old-fashioned, but still very moving. He goes on to talk about what he calls the mental agitation and the confusion surrounding the process of creation. Now, I'm reading this thing, you see, and, I, and I'm riveted. I mean, I'm gripped by this powerful idea that, that uncertainty might be the very engine of discovery. You know, these days, all I hear about from people is, is what they call intention or, or, or action. I, I, I know, but with me, I've always operated under the fluid mist of indecision. I, I don't know, I, I always assumed that a hesitant vision that nervously anticipates an uncertain result was, I, I don't know, it, it, it just always worked well with me. So it was great to read this essay and I wanted to know more about this guy, this Andy Shigri or, or, or Shigre. So of course I googled him and, and, and it turns out he's some sort of innovation expert. He describes himself as a, as a design coach, whatever that means, and, 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 and he runs this organization called decoders for change. So of course I looked that up and, and, and there, there wasn't much about it other than this guy's bio and a few links to some other essays. Well, before you know it, I'm his best friend on Facebook and I've memorized his resume on LinkedIn and I know the names of his kids and I know that, that what his wife looks like, that he likes dogs. I, 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 I know that he watches Black Mirror and his favorite movies are Shrek 2 and The Truman Show and My Dinner with Andre. You know, this, this internet is an amazing thing. The things you can look up, the, the, the information that's available to you, the ease in which all this stuff is accessible. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trolling the guy, but, but you, you, you know how it is when, when, when you're on the computer one thing leads to another and, and, and you, go on, you go on Amazon, for example, you want to replace a garden hose and the next thing you know, you're reading about pancreatic cancer in laboratory gerbils and you're calling the doctor in a panic. And Anyway, so I'm clicking one thing after another and, and don't ask me how I got there, but suddenly I've got three windows open about French existentialism. <laughs> now, I'm a sucker for that, I have to tell you. I, I, I just love that stuff. Not, 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 not the philosophy, necessarily. I, I can't even pretend to understand all that being and all that nothingness. I, I just love the images of, of thick, unfiltered cigarettes and, and, and sexual promiscuity and, and, and people wearing scarves and trench coats leaning over tiny cafe tables arguing about Algeria or jazz. So there I am, glued to my computer. My eyes by this time are, are, are dry and they hurt and they're stinging and my back is taking up this unhealthy form of a, I don't know, like a wet sagging baguette and, and then click, boom, right in front of me. Maurice Merleau-Ponty appears on my screen with his famous seminal essay, Cezanne's Doubt. 
And then uh, it starts coming back to me. Yes, freshman year in art school. Yes, modern art history with Professor Leibowitz. Yes, 19th century French painting, Cubism, Brock, Picasso, and yes, Cezanne and his legacy, Cezanne's doubt. <laughs> now, if you don't remember, this is how it begins. And he here I'm quoting. It took 100 working sessions for a still life, 150 sittings for a portrait. What we call work was for him an attempt, an approach to painting. In September of 1906, at the age of 67, one month before his death, he wrote, I was in such a state of mental agitation and the essay goes on and it becomes sadly apparent that this Andy Chigray or, or Chigri exercised what we mockingly call the highest form of praise. Derivative, I guess. <laughs> You know, you gotta be careful these days with, with, with these Google searches. It's so easy to, to check things, to verify things, to confirm things, to, to ascertain things. But, you know, I, I, I do remember another thing from Professor Leibowitz's class. He, he, was, a, he was a huge fan of Picasso and, 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 and he, he, he liked to quote him a lot. He, and, and, and the one that he liked the most was, was when Picasso supposedly said that a bad artist borrows, but a great artist steals. So I suppose you could maybe forgive Andre Chagray or Chagree. He was just trying to, to be great or something. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that, that's a... That's enough fake news for today, so please join me again next week when I recite word for word the 1924 Surrealist Manifesto while claiming that I made it all up by myself on the lives of contemporary artists.